0: Hello my horror movie lovers, I'm Angel, your host of Black Horror. This week we will be talking about the seldom discussed and often looked over a fright film, Halloween Resurrection. Before we get into that, we'll just give a little quick update on memes. So... Okay, I think my generation is called either Millennials or Gen X. I'm 28. I want to say it's called Gen X and the people that are like in their early 20s are the Millennials. Either way, tell me this is something that you guys, I guess Millennials and Gen Xers, Gen Y, whatever we are, are going through with your parents. Okay, so me and my mom have always had a good relationship and I think she's a pretty hip person. Like... She gets the things that young people talk about. You know, if I bring up something on Twitter or YouTube or what have you, for the most part, she gets it, but she doesn't get memes. I send her memes and they just confuse her. Like, she's like, well, why does it say this? And who is that? And how does that relate? And I really think that she's thinking about it too much. Case in point. Okay. I'm non-binary. For those of you who don't know, I'm non-binary and there was this hilarious meme of it said non-binary people be like, and then it had a picture of the, who's that guy? Steve Harvey, his book, Think Like a Woman, Act Like a Man or some shit. And it made sense. It was so funny. Like as soon as I saw it, I got it. My mom knows I'm non-binary. She finally was kind of term with what it actually means. And she's starting to get in all that stuff. And so I sent it to her and she was like, WTF, what is this? And it was, I, I really didn't even know how to explain it. Like, just look at the picture, look at the words, It was so frustrating because it could have been so funny, but every, well, not every time, but a lot of the times when I send her a meme, she just, like I said, she thinks about it way too hard. And like I said, I don't know if it's just a my mom thing. Cause like I said, she's pretty hip. She gets stuff. She's on Facebook. She has a Twitter, I think, but she doesn't use it very much, but she knows like the gist of how Twitter works and all that. And it's just memes that trip her up. She and it's not like she's one of those. Okay, wait, do y'all remember that commercial where the grandma or, you know, there's like two older women and they're saying like she has pictures on the wall and other old lady is like, that's not how any of this works. Like she's definitely not like that. She gets how technology works. She's even better with me with technology. But memes and I really want to explain it to her because she's missing out on so much hilarity and I can't. I don't know if it's just the us thing, like a younger people thing where we just get it. You got to be in the know or you're just not. But yeah, let me know if you guys are having the same problem because I, I really want to be able to explain some of these memes to her. But okay. All right. Let's get started with episode three, Halloween Resurrection. This was directed in 2002, directed by Rick Rosenthal. So we have to start off by saying this movie is a classic so bad it's good which is a personal favorite genre of mine this movie is literally quintessential early 2000s everything from you know Tyra Banks thinking this is gonna further her movie career and Busta Rhymes having those long thick sideburns that you know touch almost touch the corner of his mouth like when I say this film literally defines a genre, or a genre, defines an era, it's it's amazing. I, and I notice I say I, I love, but I don't love this movie. It's just, no, yeah, no. I don't love this movie, but it really is something that just brings me so much joy. It's so funny because it's so bad. And that, like I said, that's honestly one of my favorite genres. But okay, let's get into it. We're going on, we're starting episode three, y'all. Guys, if you ever do a podcast, remember to turn your mic on. I did not half, but at least a good portion of this podcast, this episode, and the mic wasn't even on. I'm glad I write a lot of this down because I'd have been, ooh, I'd have just had to scrap the whole episode. But, anyways, okay, let's get started. So we see. Jamie Lee Curtis's Lori Strode she's locked in her own room she's in the um Grace Anderson Sanitarium and we see some nurses a black nurse and a white nurse are walking down the hall and the white nurse is asking where or why is this patient on lockdown and she's like you know that's Michael Myers sister and you know she's all shocked some of the Michael Myers like girl you didn't you didn't read the list of the patients you have but anyways so yeah and she explains to her, you know, like she accidentally decapitated a man thinking it was Michael. And now she's here because she basically has PTSD because she accidentally decapitated someone, which I get. That, that sounds very traumatic. And so they reach her room. at She's at the very end of the hall. They reach her room. And, and I hate when nurses do this. They're talking about her in front of the, pa- you know, they're talking about the patient in front of the patient. That's just very rude, especially since you're thinking that, Oh, she won't say anything or she doesn't talk or she can't comprehend. None of that matters. you like be professional when you're in the room. Talk to the patient like they're a patient, like you'd want someone to talk to you. I, it's a pet peeve because I see it in even in my own hospital. I see it all the time. And even when I used to work the psych ward, it Yeah, people do it all the time. It's so rude. You know, she's saying or telling the nurse, and just saying out loud, I guess to Lori too, since she's listening. She she hasn't talked since she since admission three years ago, and you know, she's just a model patient really. She sits here, she looks out the window. Who knows what she's looking at? But she she's basically just comatose. She she eats, she sleeps, she takes her medicine, and we don't bother her. She doesn't bother us, and that's it. So the nurses leave. And then you see Lori Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis, you see her spit out her medicine and she puts it in this stuffed doll that she had. And, okay, and I get this is what, 2002? This is made in 2002? There there should have been cameras. Like, that's any psych ward. Even if because you basically sign your rights away when you're entered. Whether you're, you know, enter yourself or someone enters you because you're a danger to yourself and others. You sign your rights away. So they have cameras in all of these rooms. They don't have it in the bathroom where they're not supposed to. But yeah. So nobody... There's no... Like I said, there's no cameras just in the hallways. But if there was a camera, you would you would see her spin out her bills, don't you think? Or also... For back in the day before they had cameras didn't nurses have to check your mouth didn't you have to open you know lift your tongue you know pull your cheek aside all that good stuff you can't just give a patient their pills and think they're gonna take it especially in a psych ward or you know a dementia hospital or something like come on now I said dementia hospital a uh, nurse home but you know what I mean like the the and especially the black nurse she looked seasoned she looked like a seasoned nurse she's supposed to know this girl and it looked like she's training a newbie like come on now you already starting my girl off wrong. So, okay, Lori Strode looks out the window. She picks her doll up. She looks out the window. She sees Michael. And if I was Jamie or if I was Lori, I'd be pissed off. Uh, you mean to tell me I'm chilling for three years? I'm chilling. I got a zanny every day. I'm, I'm chilled out. I got no bills. I don't have to worry about keeping the lights on in here. You know, government does that for me. I don't gotta worry about my meals taken care of. Someone's cooking them for me. I don't gotta worry about cleaning my bed. Someone's doing that for me too. Shoot, if I don't want to, I can I don't even gotta clean myself. Someone do that for me too. Like I'm I'm honestly chilled out, enjoying my lockdown. And here you go fucking it up, Michael. Like, if anything, you couldn't do that in year one or month one, really. Like, if you're gonna do it, let's get it over with. I'd be so mad if I was her. Like, I'm really enjoying my peace over here, trying to cope with my PTSD. And here you come fucking me up again, Michael. Damn, I'd be so mad. Bless her heart. But, but okay. So we cut to security guard number one. And he see he's doing his perimeter check. He sees that uh the gates are unlocked. And he goes through and he's... Doesn't see anything, you know, kind of peeks through the forest. That's on the opposite side of, or I guess surrounding the asylum or sanitarium. And, you know, he peeks through the forest a little bit and then he turns around, starts to light a cigarette. And even if Michael Myers wasn't, you know, in there, which he didn't know at that time, was in the forest. Why would you put your back to the forest? Any Anybody, especially when the gate was unlocked. That means anybody could be out there. One, any one of your patients could be out there, or just anybody. It could have been a wolf that come up, you know, came up and jumped on his back and started eating him. It didn't matter. Like, why would you turn your back toward the forest? And what? Bless it. I know it's a movie, but come on, y'all. So, one of his patients uh, named Gary uh, sneaks up on him. He's wearing a clown mask, and you know the security guard's like, "Who are you supposed to be today?" And he says, John Wayne Gacy, who was a notorious serial killer uh, back in the, what, 80s, I think? Or 70s? I'm not sure. I want to say 80s, but I could be wrong. But tells him, you know, I'm John Wayne Gacy. And, you know, starts giving all his info. And he takes them back to his room and doesn't lock the gate. And on the way to putting Gary back in his room, it's like, well, you know, how did you get out again? Probably because you left it unlocked again. Come on now, especially since you seemed worried when you saw the gate unlocked. Why would you not lock it? Or if, or even if you were gonna be that just dumb and lock it later, why not put him in his uh, cell? Well, not cell. Put him in his room, and then immediately go back outside, and lock the gate. Would that not make more sense than just leaving it open until you, at whatever time, remember again that it was unlocked? This this is a very un... Uh, Grace Sanitarium? Or what? No, no, no. What is it? Uh, Grace Yeah, Grace Anderson Sanitarium? <laughs> y'all need to be uh shut down. I don't know what's going on with y'all, but... Or you need some new workers. I don't know what's going on over there, but y'all need to work it out. So, security guard number... He meets back up with security guard number two. Security guard number two is like, I thought you put Gary back in his in his room, and security guard number one's like, you seen me? You saw me on the security cam. You saw me put him in there. I don't know how he got back out. So they um go to where they think Gary is, which is the basement, and of course they have to split up. Like in real life, ain't nobody splitting up. I remember. Okay, I'm sorry. This is off and on a tangent, but we were playing tag, out flash tag. You know, you anyway, flash tag with the flashlight for one of my birthdays and we were in the woods we were at a yogi bear campsite the woods because yeah that shit was scary i'm 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 surprised my mom let me go out there but anyways so we're playing flash tag and the person with the flashlight we all saw him and we're all running the same direction like me and my cousins When nobody's splitting up even then like and that's just a game of tag ain't nobody splitting up in real life if you see and like i said that's just a tag game with my cousins and we're all running the same way trying to get away so you mean to tell me mm, okay I'm just saying it doesn't make sense in real life ain't nobody splitting up I, that's all I'm saying say it doesn't make sense I've never seen it I've never done it but mm, anyways so so they split up security guard number one is like you bro what are you doing he sees security guard or no sorry security guard number two It's like, bro, what are you doing? Because he sees, number one, stopping at a vending machine. And number one's like, I haven't had dinner. You know, he's about to eat himself a donut dinner, a vending machine donut dinner. And security guard number two is like, okay, fine. I'll go take care of Gary. So he rounds the corner. He sees someone that he thinks is Gary. It's really Michael Myers, of course. And he's like, Gary, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, there's a scream. And then, of course... Security guard number two drops his donuts, um, you know, mid-bite. And he's looking for him, doesn't see anyone. And even before that, security guard number two should have known what was up because he, Michael looks a lot taller than Gary did and a lot slimmer and like muscular than Gary did. So he doesn't have the same physical build. He doesn't have the same physical build at all. So how did he not tell? I'd have been like, who? The f- who is this giant in front of me? That gave me my first tip-off, like, let me get out of the premises, let me leave the area, or at least find some backup. So, security guard number one, you know, hears the scream, drops his food, goes running for him. He's looking around, he sees a flashing overhead light, or a swinging overhead light, and then he, um, you know, takes a flashlight, he's looking around, he sees the dryer. He sees the dryer going. He opens it because he hears a clunk in there. He opens it, and he sees some blood and, you know, an eyeball. He freaks out, you know, starts backing up, trips over security guards two decapitated body. And then you see um, Michael lowering himself down with one arm. And this man has a good workout regimen. If he can lower and can raise and lower himself with one arm, yeah, he... I need to know what workout plan he's doing. Maybe it'll work on me. But, and also, how how tall are those damn ceilings? Because the way he lowered himself, like, his legs didn't, like, swing down. He was just straight up and lowered himself, just using his arm. So, were you standing on the pipes? Because you couldn't have been laying. How tall are these ceilings? They didn't look tall in the little, you know, wide shot, but what do I know? But, okay so lori's himself he slits security guard number one's throat and then he makes his way for lori you know you see him coming down the hall and then he busts through the door or lori's door with his forehead and then you know if you stop it right there like as soon as he busts his head through the door why did he stop and give himself eyebrows like, he literally has some thin, very early 2000s, very late 90s, 90s uh, eyebrows. Like, those super thin. Who gave him the makeup? And why did he feel the need to wear it is the real question. Like, who... Did he look at himself before he went out for Lauren? He's like, you know what this jumpsuit and those white-ass face and this fucked-up hair is gonna need? Brows. That's what's gonna set this shit off. Like, who... Michael, what's going on? We need to t- <laughs> We need to talk. What are you doing? And so <laughs> he sees a figure under the covers, and you know, he's about to stab it, but then Lori comes behind him and hits him with a floor lamp. And again, hazard, who is giving psych patients a floor lamp? Everything that is in the room should not be removable. They don't. They barely want to give you a toothbrush, and you think they're about to give you a big ass lamp with a long cord that you could strangle yourself or someone else, or as you see, hit somebody. What type of psych ward is this? She hits them Runs, or my girl ain't even running. She's speed walking down the hall, up the stairs, onto the roof, and Michael's doing his regular, you know. Speed walk also, but that's normal for him. I'm just saying, Lori should have been booking it. But they get to the roof. Michael's behind her, and all of a sudden, he's had time to fix his hair. The mop on his head is now slicked back. Like wh- first the makeup, not a hair. Uh, what is going on with your self image? Like what? What? But I'm glad he's getting it together. Because I mean, you can't leave the house with you. Certainly should not be leaving the house with no brows and your hair looking like who done it. So. At least he's getting it together as he's going. Better late than never. So, so he he's on the roof. Lori slams the door, traps him in this basically like rabbit leg snare and starts hoisting him up. And he's just slashing at the air. And if you had, okay, it doesn't make sense. If you had all this time to work on your arm that you can lift and lower yourself with one arm, Did you skip core strength day? Like, is ab day not important to you? Because he he acted like he couldn't do a sit-up to cut the rope that was on his leg. Even though he was almost halfway bent over as she was hoisting him because he was, like, hitting the wall. So it was, like, putting him in this slumped position to where it would make it easier to cut the rope. And he still was just slashing at the air haphazardly. Like, come on now. Sir. So... He drops the knife. She picks it up. She's starting to cut. And I guess her plan was to drop him from this. It only looked like two, maybe three stories. So what, 30 feet off the ground? You well, don't. okay. 30 feet off the ground, like, that's not killing nobody unless it's a small kid. You could have a, a good many broken bones, I'm sure a head, massive head wound. And you might die like you know later from internal bleeding or something but just from that initial like unless he literally dropped on his head he's not dying and even though he's upside down you could twist yourself before you're dying you know you got a couple seconds to figure something out and move or maneuver so you don't just fall head first so she tried, I get she did what she could do in a little amount of time, but, and also how long has she had that, that, what's it called, that, um, setup that, that trap, like, they said that, you know, they saw her on the roof a couple times, she escaped a couple times to get on the roof, but how long has that crane been up there, how long has it been sitting up there, how did she even know that someone didn't move it in the time, like, girl, what I oh, don't know. There was a lot of variables. She, She's smart. But I'm just saying there's a lot of variables that could have went wrong. What if, someone had moved the, what if someone had moved the crane? Or on the times that she did get up there and someone did remove her and put her back in the room, so, someone could have been like, what, you know, what is this crane and this rope doing here? Let me throw this away or well, let me put it up in supply. Like, if she was banking on that, she could have died. <laughs> well, she did die, but she could have died even more horribly, because it could have not even been there, but anyways, so he's hoisted up, he starts taking off, or no, he starts, you know, acting like he's going to take off his mask, but he can't, and, you know, she then has some PTSD, and going back, and, you know, feeling remorse for decapitating that innocent guy, so she's like, you know, let me, let me make sure it's actually him, she reaches for his mask, he grabs her arm, and girl, his arms are just free dangling. Of course he could have grabbed you. Why did you not think of that? You've lived for three movies. You're a smart woman. You should be thinking... He's already thinking a couple steps ahead of you, so you should be thinking a couple steps ahead of him. So come on now, girl. His arms weren't even any type of tied up. If he was a, an, another innocent person, you could have waited. At this point, he's already in the trap, in the snare, he's not going nowhere, you could have called the cops, waited, they could have took off the mask, or none, whatever, or just wait till day shift gets there, something, but okay, she has him up in the snare, and I feel like it's like that movie, uh, The Incredibles. When Frozen is like, you know, he has me in his clutches. I, I'm utterly l- useless. And what does he do? He starts monologuing because that's literally what Lori starts doing. She starts talking shit. She's like, "Why did you wait three years? You know, you fucked up, Michael. You lost. You know, I won." And you just really talking shit. And I'm like, "Girl, you." And I'm, I, I know she's going through some stuff, but I'm like, Lori you don't talk about he lost when you literally decapitated somebody just last movie ago and now you about to die again because you're getting too ahead of yourself she starts talking shit she grabs the mask you know just trying to think that you he, just just trying to make sure that he's the right person and he grabs her arm she already cut the rope a little bit, you know, before she started checking the mask because she was just going to drop him down. And she cut it a little bit, but now with the weight of these two people, once he grabbed her, with the weight of these two people, the rope snaps and she falls onto him and into his knife. And then, you know, starts playing that dramatic music because you could tell that she's going to die or she's basically dead. She got this massive, you know, wound to her core and she kisses him and says, I'll see you in hell. And then she, you know, lets him go and she falls to her death or, well, she was already dead with that injury. But anyway, she falls and I'm just like, girl, you did all that shit talking when you could have left him there for day shift or you could have just ran. You could have just left them tied up and ran. I mean, it took them three years to find you. It might take them another three years. Or you could just keep on the run. All right, so then we see that Michael goes into Gary's room and, you know, he take, Gary takes off his clown mask and then Michael hands over his bloody knife to him. And he starts telling all the stats of Michael, like, you know, Michael born, blah, blah, blah. He killed his sister. Then he killed some college students. And I'm guessing Gary has an an obsession with serial killers. And then the music comes in or cues in and then you see michael just walking down the hall and just going off and basically going to be missing again until he pops up and starts killing again then we have our intro you know they play the music and then you know you see the halloween resurrection title and then we cut to scene to haddonfield university where we meet our protagonist oh guys i i I still didn't look, <laughs> I still didn't look up, uh, but I'm pretty sure it's protagonists. Anyways, we uh, see our protagonist, Sarah, she's in class, you know, they're talking about, and it, I think it's an English class, they're talking about different philosophers or something, or maybe an ethics class. Everybody looks pretty bored, and she's halfway paying attention, and something I just thought of looking at this scene. I hope that's not how most college classes look, like I've been, well, I went to a, a what's it called a uh, community college but you know and they didn't have these big lecture ha- halls you had a few big classrooms maybe of like 30 possibly 35 maybe 40 you know students but I hope that's not like that's just so I try to keep eye contact with the teacher especially when there's a big class for that reason because if everyone's looking bored that could just be so discouraging like I I, would, I wanted to be a teacher that's the crazy thing I would be so discouraged If I'm really lecturing, I'm, you know, talking about something I love. I look out into this mass of people and they just look bored. They just look like they're here for a grade. I'd have to quit or I'd have to fail everybody for pissing me off. And then I'd probably be fired. But, oh, yeah, that (laughs) scene is so discouraging. Like for, I'm sure, the teacher watching. Uh, Yeah, I pray I wasn't one of those students. That's that's, That's such a bad example to set yeah so the teacher is talking about Kierkegaard and Young and Lloyd who are philosophers and the only reason I know that is because it's a bad place if anyone's watched that show it's so good but anyway I remember uh, one of the episodes they were talking about Kierkegaard but anyway so Sarah ends up answering I guess or in, you know finishing the sentence of the teacher Of he's I guess reciting something that the philosopher said and she finishes the question and he's like you know oh good you know good I'm glad someone listening someone's up I mean if if you know people aren't awake as a teacher if, and I get some things are boring but philosophy is pretty interesting you just need to make it interesting for your class like he's like I'm glad someone's awake why don't you teach it in a way that's interesting shit like my ethics teacher was cool as fuck yeah. but I also like ethics so maybe I'm just talking from what I know I don't know either way she's riding through the grounds, um, I guess, probably going back to her dorm, and her friend Jen catches up to her. Jen's excited, and, you know, she um has some news for Sarah, but she wants to meet up with their friend Rudy first. And Rudy is played by the guy from Save the Last Dance, the black guy from Save the Last Dance. And something about his role in this movie just feels very out of place. And it's not the fact that he has two white female best friends, like, I mean, that just seems not unbelievable, but just very something. I don't know. It seems very something alone. But the fact that he's also a cook, it's like every time I see black people in a movie that are friends with white people, they're the cook, they're the football player, or, you know, like the um, sports star, or just something. I don't know. It's a trope. I want to say it's a trope, but I could be wrong, but I feel like I see that a lot. But either way just something about him in this friendship seems very off and i can't put my finger on it like someone please let me know that's seen the movie so tell me i'm not tripping because it feels off does it not like and it's not even the fact that they're friends it's the fact i guess his dynamic or his role in inside that dynamic of the friendship felt very fake like they just put this black man here just because like okay we got tyra we got busta you know, let's add one more. That's how it felt. Anyways, they meet up with Rudy and Jen uh, tells them that they made it. They're in the show. And Sarah, you know, she, she lets them know that she's apprehensive. And, you know, every time in the past that she's done something with them or they've gotten her into something, she ends up, you know, on the short end of the stick. And rudy mentions the fact that they might be bigger than the osbornes and can we just talk about how much of a throwback that is this movie is so old that the osbornes this is when the osbornes had their own show as a family that's just unbelievable to me like and it doesn't like that that show seems old but it doesn't seem that old and this movie is old but it doesn't seem that old but 2002 is a long what 20 years ago god damn 20 whole years, I just thought of that, that's, how old was I when this movie came out, should I even been watching this, I don't know, so they get back to Sarah, or I'm guessing Sarah and Jen's dorm room, and they open up the email, and it says, you know, congratulations, you've been cast as a member of the Dangertainment team, you were one of the few chosen that will explore the deep, dark recesses of the human psyche, and okay, and I get this is jumping forward a bit, but the premise of this show is they're going to be going into Michael Myers' old house with you know cameras, some hidden cameras around the house, and cameras on them. Their you know their person. What about that is exploring the recesses of a human psyche? Like they just took us you know a psychology or an ethics class, but that's not doing nothing. What is them finding stuff around his house? And, and I guess you have to you have to word it, you know, to make it interesting, casting for a show to make people want to invest and, in, you know, put their put themselves possibly in the show. But that's just a bald-faced lie. Like, all they would have been doing is just finding artifacts. If anything, he could have said treasure hunting or item cl- or something. I don't know. I just feel like that was a complete lie, but... But anyways, Jen's still trying to talk Sarah into this because she's still, you know, letting her know that she's apprehensive. She doesn't want to do this. She feels uncomfortable. And Jen is like, you know, this is my time to shine. And, you know, has to correct it like, oh, this, this could be our time, to, you know, make it big and, you know, make a name for ourselves. And she's like I said, trying to comfort her and they have their dorm room open and some random guy walks by and, you know, he's like, no, this is the birthplace of evil. This is the house she will be going to, you know, where Michael killed his mother and his sister. And, and as he's saying all this and, you know, basically trying to freak both of them out, but especially Sarah, he's playing with their underwear that happens to be on a coat rack near the entrance of the door and I'm not even hating on them for the underwear coat rack but I'm like nigga get off my underwear like you see those are clearly freshly clean I don't want your nasty hands like I don't even know you you're not even my boyfriend like get your hands off my underwear you perv at this point, Sarah is basically on board. She just says she has to send an email to her friend Declan. And, you know, we sh- he, they show Declan. And basically, all these men in this movie are pervs. Besides Rudy. And, yeah, besides Rudy and Buster Rhymes' character. All of them, well, no, Buster Rhymes' character, he's not a perv, he's just weird. But besides Rudy, all the guys in this movie have something going on. They're all odd in their own way because Declan is in high school he's like a freshman or a junior in high school pretending to be an IT person pretending to be an older IT person in college I mean but honestly it made me think like early 2000s when the internet was just coming out can you imagine how many people got catfished like I mean it was so prevalent they had to make a show about it but you know back then I mean well no now you can pretty much sort of check and make sure you're talking to the person that you think you're talking to. You may not be a hundred percent, but there's ways to, you know, kind of check the list off and see if, okay, I'm pretty sure this person is real or they're saying they're the person that they're, that they're saying that they are. So back then, I can only imagine how many people got catfished. There was no way to check And it was so easy to lie on the internet back then. I mean, it's easy to lie on the internet now, but especially back then when people weren't fact-checking nothing. So Sarah meets up with her friends at this hotel. Well, really a motel. um, And uh, it's a gathering for all six of the the contestants that won. And I guess giving them a brief of the show and, you know, doing some promo shots and everything. And can I just say, she's driving this moped, you know, all around campus and all around town. And I am jealous. I have always wanted a moped. They look so fun. They look dangerous as hell. But, well, less dangerous than a motorcycle. But they still look fun. Like, and you can get a moped on Amazon. I've looked it up. But anyways, so here we meet Tyra Banks' Nora Winston and Busta Rhymes' Freddie Harris. And the rest of the other three contestants, which are named Sarah, Michael, and Bill. And, you know, they started doing some promo shoots and Tyra's like, so what are you hoping you get from the show? And we're able to see, you know, everybody's characteristics or their personality. And, you know, some people are saying, you know, I'm here, like Rudy is saying how he's here to basically say how Michael's bad diet made him go crazy jen is you know basically talking about this is her claim to fame and claim to you know stardom this show and one of the other contestants is talking about how he's one contestant saying how he's basically excited to meet a legend like Michael Myers is a legendary serial killer and the other one's talking about the politics of violence that you know Michael inhabits and all these what have you and finally at the end we get to Sarah and she's basically kind of stuttering through her answers you know tyra her, so what do you think about people that commit serial killings and she's you know kind of rambling and then one of the photographers knocks over a light and it makes a loud shatter and she screams and it breaks some glass and buster rhymes is like yeah like that's the money shot Like he's excited for this and i was gonna i was gonna talk shit about it about that scene specifically but honestly back in the day when you know found footage films or not even found footage films but these type of shows that you know take kind of like what's it road road rules and um, real world and all that when shows like that were getting started like a white girl screaming or a white girl acting crazy or a white girl causing a fight or some sort of big uproar that was the money shot like that was that's what the people wanted to see or that's what producers thought the people wanted to see so and this will go into the bpr because i was gonna say that's unbelievable and he's kind of you know just being weird or whatever but back in the day that was that was a big thing white people acting out was a big thing after that, and later that night, Sarah goes and meets uh, Freddie, who Buster Rhymes' character, and you know lets him know that she's apprehensive. And again, I'm just girl. If you if you gotta say to this many people at this point, don't let anybody talk you into it. If you if if you were apprehensive and nervous from the jump, you had to be talked into it by two friends, and now you gotta be talked into it by the producer. It's like girl, just pull out. At this point, I'm sick of trying to pep you up. You clearly don't want to do it. I don't want to make, I don't want to force you. But of course, Freddie, you know, talks her into it because he, he's saying like, you know, you're different from everybody else. Everybody else is, you know, here for money or here for stardom or here for this, that, and the third. But you're giving us something real. You know, you're having real emotions around this because you're nervous, you're scared. And, you know, the people really want to see something real. So, you know, sleep on it and let me know in the morning. But he basically knows like, he she's doing it she's nervous but she's gonna do it but still if it were me personally and this why I can't I guess be in tv business I'm like girl go I'm not gonna keep doing this you couldn't even give us an answer because you're too nervous on camera you over here screaming breaking dishes now you come to me bothering me during my you know Chinese karate movie like girl go do what you're gonna do also, throwback to Buster Rhyme's lock days. Like, I forgot he used to have these beautiful, luscious locks. Oh my gosh, he was one of my inspirations for getting locks myself. I used to f- dream about having his long locks. Like, his used to be down to damn near his ass, if not past it. And he used to always have him in these funky updos and, you know, different weird styles. He was very handsome back in the day except for those sideburns, those are unforgivable, and even in the early 2000s, it's a no, I'm glad he cut them off, he could have kept the locks, but you know, now he has a a fade or a low cut, but either way, had he had the locks and cut them sideburns, so handsome, also, I'm looking at this scene, and you know, he's kind of close to Sarah, he's trying to comfort her, and you know, he's, he's, very what's the word he's enunciating you know and you can see that his lips are moving very powerfully i don't even know (laughs) i hope that makes sense to you but you know someone's really enunciating the words and their their mouth moves in a particular way but either way he his mouth is moving in this way i'm seeing all his teeth all his tongue and all i'm thinking is there was this article or i want to say it was like vlad tv or something and one of the rappers and please don't ask me the name because I really don't listen to rap like that but one of these new rappers or younger rappers was talking about how Busta in present day his breath just stank like they say he doesn't wash his teeth or something to that nature or maybe something like that and all I'm thinking is I hope it wasn't I hope you know it wasn't a thing like back in the day I hope And it may not even be true. His breath may spell fine. But I'm just thinking about in that scene, like, if his breath was actually that hot, like, just all that fire coming at you. And he was so close to Sarah. Oh, I'd have to, I'd have to, we'd have to reshoot the scene. And we'd have to make it, we'd have to do COVID time. You gotta be five feet away. Like, you should not be that close to me with this breath. So the girls go shopping and Sarah is trying on a shirt, and you know, in the mirror, she sees Michael, and of course, when she turns around, he's not there, gotta have the obligatory jump scare, come on now, and then we cut to Declan, who I forgot to mention, he's the, and for all my Disney fans, if you've watched the first year, or is it the first year, if you've watched Luck of the Irish, classic Disney Channel movie, he's the guy that turned into a leprechaun or found out you know that his family is leprechaun that's who plays Declan so now we see that everybody's clipping on their cameras you know they're about to go to the Michael Myers home I guess they're like rigging up before they get in the car to go and Busta is explaining you know that there's gonna be cameras in the house and they always also have the camera that's gonna be on their person and um you can rig it to, you know, look however you want to look or wherever you want to look. And we see that Bill's character, it like, aims the camera down Jen's shirt. And that's what I'm saying. All these guys are creeps. And also, complete violation. Like, and I, I don't know. I hate that in movies, like, when they try to normalize the weird shit that guys do. And I guess because it's also normalized in society. But I'm just saying, like, and I guess I'm just speaking, like, in a Me Too movement type of area in my head but I'm just like bruh like that's not okay and it's also really not okay to even show in a movie because especially like that like I like I said they're kind of like normalizing it because he like points the camera down her shirt and she just like you know roll her rolls her eyes and is like like an exasperation it's like no like kick him in the nuts and then whip his dick out and put it all over the web that that would be fair that'd be equal so while is explaining, you know, how the camera's working and everything, he's playing with the camera himself and, you know, showing them that it can move in every which way, blah, blah. Why couldn't he put some lotion on? Why couldn't costume or design or somebody like, hey, why don't you put a little vase line, you know, in between them knuckles or something? Like, nobody, they just got this black man on camera, Ashy. So disrespectful. So we're getting to our first kill of the night. Tyra and her camera crew are setting up well not really camera crew camera guy is setting up she's you know in like a a house opposite of the Myers house so you know she had she can see all the cameras and everything without being on site and the camera guy is setting up the cameras in the house and you know she starts dancing and I think she's making like a frappuccino or a cappuccino and You see on one of the cameras that Michael popped up and the camera guy, of course, thought it was, you know, Buster or somebody with the crew, not thinking it's, you know, of course, a real Michael. So, you know, you can see him jump and then he relaxes a little bit. But then Michael takes one of the camera, you know, tripods and one of the legs has this pointy end, almost like a spear. And he's, you know, coming at the camera guy very slowly pointing the spear at him and even if even if it would have been busted i'm like nigga stop playing with me put that shit down like this is what we're not gonna do today but especially because he, this man ain't saying nothing to you and he's coming at you with a weapon wouldn't you just automatically think you know this might not be a game this person might actually be trying to hurt me and of course that's what he does spears him right through the neck puts down the camera and drags the camera guy off so wherever he takes them and you know Tyra finally turns around sits back down and sees where the camera is placed and she's like oh good job that's a good job where you placed it I'm like girl can we also talk about the fact that Tyra really thought this was gonna further her movie career like <laughs> maybe maybe she wasn't being offered anything good at the time because first you had coyote ugly which she was in there for like three minutes and was dancing on the bar for most of those three minutes and now she's in halloween resurrection once again dancing and i i get at first especially this is when actors or no this is when singers and you know models and whoever really didn't break into the movie business like she i'm not saying she's the first but you know she's she was one of the ones where it's like oh my god this this famous person is trying to break into acting you know look it wasn't a thing back then for real but i'm just like damn like they were just giving you all these d-list roles and they all accumulated to nothing well no i'm a that disney one she uh she was a barbie or she played uh, life size. Now that was a good movie, and I even like Coyote Ugly. You you just didn't see Tyra in it for real. But yeah, so I'm just saying it's funny that she really thought that this was this was gonna thing to put her on the map. Like girl, here we go with the makeup again. Okay, as soon as he spears him through the neck, y- you see you know close up of Michael's mask again. Eyebrows. Now he has eyeliner. Where? Is she? Who is doing this? And okay, now his hair isn't slicked back anymore. I guess he ran out of eco styler. But where is he getting the eyeliner? Who is giving him these eyeliner, you know, these who's giving him the palette? Who's giving him the brushes? Who who? I need to know. So the six plus Freddie get to the house and I guess we're still rigging up. I guess they had to take off their cameras and they're putting them back on now. And that's probably just a continuity thing. That, but anyways, Sarah, as she's walking to the house, literally sees Michael looking at him. And I guess she just figures she sees a shadow. But I'm like, girl, I need you to use your brain. You done seen him in your reflection. Now you see him in the standing in the window and you still go in the house. I ran. Fuck those contracts. You sue me if you need to. But I'm living. Finally, they're in the house. Everybody's looking around and, you know, kind of just creeping around the house a little bit. And you see Michael peering around corners and in none of the cameras that Tyra and her camera crew set up, they don't see him like no camera caught him sneaking around these corners. So they keep looking through the house and we have more than a few stupid jump scares. Jen is walking and uh, Bill like taps her on the shoulder and she screams. And it, like, you know, shakes the camera and it's supposed to make you jump. It's stupid. And then Sarah's in the kitchen with Rudy, and, you know, they're looking at and smelling the spices. And she opens up one of the pantry closets, and a stroller, like, pops out. And again, what, like what are all these jump scares and they don't even make sense we cut scene to Declan who's with his friend and they're at this uh high school party. well no it's actually I think like a college party of his friend's sister and you know they're dressed as the guys from Pulp Fiction and Declan you know is pretty much over it he's ducks into a room and he types in the computer the little website of the streaming show that Sarah's on and you know he just hangs out in there But I do have to say as someone that is not really a party goer, that party looked fun. Like everybody was dressed like I've never been to a Halloween. Well, no, I've been to one Halloween party, but I mean, it was with a bunch of white people who weren't dressed up. Like I was the only one dressed up and then I got shit face drunk and threw up. So I don't consider that a party, but like, and then my parents were strict. So I never went to like a house party as a kid. So, or, you know, as a teenager, so, you know this looks pretty fun I mean Declan definitely should have hung out at least for a little bit I mean shit you're already dressed apart so now it's finally night time and they're finally you know I guess really gonna do their investigative work you know they got their cameras hooked up they're lighting candles and you see Michael is in this like sewer under his house which I don't I don't know if that's actually a thing because a civilian shouldn't be able to get to a sewer or maybe it's a cellar but it really looks like a a sewer system. Either way, Declan's, you know, in his little room off in the party and he's watching them all. He sees that there's someone else in the hall, but of course the camera cuts out, basically insinuating that Michael just got his second night of the kill. Second night of the kill. Second kill of the night. So Donna and Jim go to the basement and Donna's talking about how she thinks that Michael had a compulsive disorder, kind of like kleptomaniacs or pyromaniacs and so this is definitely a side or segue whatever side whatever whatever it's called remind well I'm gonna say remind me I'm gonna tell you next next episode because I don't have time in this episode I'm gonna tell you how two white women almost got me arrested at the Coles because they one of them could not stop stealing shit and the other one knew about it didn't tell me either way I'm gonna tell you next episode Anyways, Jen starts yelling, Sarah and Rudy and uh, I think, what's his name, Bill, run up and go, you know, try to find her, check on her, and Rudy, like, opens the door, but he hears something else somewhere else, so he has the the light shining in the room, and it's shining on Michael, but, you know, he doesn't see it because he's looking elsewhere, but that right there proves he doesn't have an impulse, you know, uh, problem, if he did, he'd have killed Rudy right there. He would have impul—he would have had the impulse to kill him, take him out right there. But Michael is a lot more strategic. He doesn't have an impulse problem. So Sarah's running around. She f- runs into Jen. Jen sees her scream. Sarah sees her and screams. And she's like, gotcha. Jen's like, gotcha. And that's what I'm saying. I hate when people play too much. Bitch, we're in Michael Myers' house. Like, yes, he's supposed to be dead and gone but still don't don't play with me like that i understand we need streams and we need you know an active audience we need people to sh- we need them to tune in be interested but don't fuck with me like that you can fuck with everybody else like that but i'm supposed to be your best friend stop fuck with me so we cut the bill and we see that i guess he stopped looking for jen even though he didn't know that she was okay because she wasn't downstairs with the rest of them anyways cut the bill he's looking in the mirror now and this is when Michael gets his legitimate second kill of the night he busts through the mirror and and if you stop it right when he busts through the mirror you see that he's wearing eyeliner first the eyebrows now the eyeliner I don't know if Michael's trying to be an influencer I don't know what's going on but he needs to get it together he literally has like I was gonna say a smoky eye but no it's just a thick eyeliner around the whole eye wasn't there in the first you know when he was killing Lori but all of a sudden he's picked up a eyeline pencil an eyeline pencil that's how you know I don't do makeup but anyway he's picked up something to do his eyebrows and his eyeliner but yeah so he stabs Bill to death and honestly Bill deserved it just why are you looking in the mirror why did you stop to look in the mirror The streamers don't want to see that. No one cares about that. You deserve to you deserve to die just for being boring. And of course, Tyra and Busta miss it because they're toasting to their excellence about the show together. But Tyra does see that Bill's camera cuts off, and that's just the end of it. They really don't even care that they can't see him, and they have no you know no way to track him. They're just like eh, whatever. We go back to Donna and Jim, and they bump into each other. Like they notice that a lock they notice that a lock is broken on the floor which leads again I think it's a sewer I don't think it's a cellar because they're in a basement so there's not a cellar below below a basement so it has to be the sewer system anyways they notice that the lock is open and they bump into each other and then they like almost kiss even though she was just telling him he she was a lesbian earlier like come on so jim and donna find the key they get into the what i'm gonna say is the sewer system and they just start making out they you know about to have sex she's topless declan and the people that are watching at the house party are cheering and i just don't understand how this came to be she literally told him he was she was a lesbian and she was annoyed by him the whole time like and I get for as a movie you know like cinematography or whatever purposes you know you want to see somebody hook up or that's what they think the crowd wants to see but at least make it realistic she was annoyed by this guy the whole time but as soon as she gets him alone or he gets her alone all of a sudden it's switched and she's turned on just not realistic but they're you know about to do the do they're in the subway they're in the sewer system floor and I guess Busta and Tyra set up so that the wall collapses on them, and like a fake skeleton with pearls like falls on top of her and I guess that's supposed to be Michael's mom then I you know it's supposed to insinuate I guess he buried her in the wall or somehow she got buried in the wall but yeah so that's a scene but jim finds a fake arm and realizes it's not his mom and everything was fake so busta rhymes is uh freddie what is it freddie yeah he dresses up as michael he's walking through the house you know about to scare him but then the real michael's behind him and you even see on, like, the camera that the streamers would be watching, there's two Michaels, and, you know, he turns around, and he's like, man, what the, what the fuck? He, he's thinking it's the camera guy that got killed earlier. He's like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you here? I didn't tell you to dress up as Michael. You know I'm dressing up as Michael. And, you know, he's, like, you know, smushing his head in, and, like, you know, like, what the fuck are you doing here? Get out, blah, blah, blah. And I know Michael's like, who is this nigga talking to? That's how, again, this is how I know he doesn't have impulse control, issues because especially in that's not even if he was Michael. If someone's putting their finger up in my forehead, I'm like, who the who the fuck are you talking to? Like please don't get your ass whooped right now. All he does is turn around and walk away. Then we get back to Jim and Donna. They're well, Jim is pissed off that he found out that, you know, it's a fake arm, so he's off to find Freddy and I guess confront him like this is supposed to be real. We're supposed to be investigating, blah blah and he goes upstairs leaves donna and she sees a room behind the wall that just fell and she she just calls out for him and then she starts investigating on her own and this is peak white woman well no this peak white people because a black person even if we were gonna explore it we're not doing it by ourselves like uh uh-uh and especially this michael myers house shit no I'm like hey bring your ass back down I'm even if I have to physically bring him back down like drag him like I'm not we not going down there by ourselves but I guess that's why like there's that running joke that white people are the reason we've discovered half the animals and places we've discovered because ain't no way I'm not going into that scary room I'm not going into that island that I don't know who's on it I'm not going into that you know xyz where it could possibly affect me in a negative way, but white people jump at the chance to die. So the room she finds is the sewer system. I was right. I was like, this can't be. It's hallways. It has to be a sewer system. Either way, I just wanted to let y'all know that I was right. So Donna basically well, no, basically, she does find Michael's hideout, which was in the sewer system. She sees that he's basically been eating rats and, like, living off rats. And he has a, uh, a cutout of Lori Strode, like, you know, that she survived. And I guess he's been here for quite a while. Like, maybe even before he went to find her. And this has been his hideout ever since. Like, before he found her and after he found her. And, you know, she the lights go out. And she sees, you know, Michael... And she gets to this, the end of the like sewer system and she has, there's this gate and it's locked. And of course there's like one of the rebars is like bent and pointing out, but there's literally like a person shaped hole in the gate. And at the very last minute, she tries to get out, but of course he pulls her back and pushes her into the rebar that goes through like her core, her abdomen and kills her. But I'm like, girl, there is a person shaped hole as soon as you saw that it was locked because they was the huge ass lock you saw that it was locked before you even touched it even got up to it you should have just ran and jumped into the hole as best you could I'm sure she like honestly cut herself on something because there was a lot of rebar sticking out but at least she got away Declan and the team you know well team uh, the kids because you know they're all college and high school kids they all see this on the stream and they're all like oh it's fake it's fake and Declan's like no it's real and my thing is it looked real like and I get that you know a show is supposed to make things look real but that literally looked real like I don't think that could have happened in the early 2000s without someone calling the cops so they cut back to Rudy and Jen they're getting high off this bong and i hate that word bong anyways so they're getting high and he's like there's no cameras in here and she's like oh we're wearing cameras they're like you know giggling they're super high i guess whatever but and i guess in today's in today's society like no one really cares about weed but early 2000s i feel like if there was two people on a live stream doing drugs if the cops didn't show up then by daylight, when his ass was walking out, he'd have been arrested. Yeah, no, that like, like I said, what's her name? Dunriana. Rihanna. She she smokes uh on the fucking red carpet. Like like I said, it's acceptable now, but back then there had have been an uproar. Then we see that Sarah's like in the living room, and it looks like she's looking through a book, and you know she kind of sees and probably feels something behind her, and she turns around, and it's Michael. But I. F- I'm pretty sure that was Freddy's Michael, Busta's Michael, but even though, like, he had, like, white skin, it looked like Freddy's Michael, I don't think that was a real Michael, because he was just in the basement, he don't walk that fast, but anyways, she runs up, she starts screaming, she runs up, finds Jen and Rudy, and she, like, she's like, you know, Michael's here, blah, blah, and then she takes them to where he, where he was, if there's a little, okay, if you think, because, If you think that there's a legit actual serial killer in the home with you, even if you are going to warn your friends, which is the right thing to do, why not be like, hey, he's here. Let's get the fuck out or tell everyone or run out the house yourself and then call. him. Well, it didn't look. I think they took their cell phones. But anyways, you know, why not get out of the area of danger? She brings them to the area of danger. So then... They're all it's uh Rudy, Sarah, and you know, Rudy's high. He's like, Oh, there's no Michael, blah 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 and um the fake Michael Busta's Michael pulls her, he, like drags her back, and then Jim hits him hits Busta over the head with it looks like Oh, the fake arm. I was gonna say it looked like a piece of wood, but like, yeah, he hits him over the head with the fake arm, and you know, Buzz like, what the fuck? Like, you know, he cuts the camera so nobody can see, and he's like, man, what the fuck? Blah blah blah. It's like, you know, I'm just trying to give America a good show. And he's telling them how, you know, America really doesn't want reality. You know, there has to be some pizzazz, has to be some oomph to a show to really get off its, get it off its feet. And he, you know, everybody's upset and they're like, oh, all this stuff is fake. You tricked us. And Sarah's telling them how, you know, I didn't sign up for this. And he lets them know, like, y'all are getting a check. I'm getting a check. All six of y'all are getting a check after this. So all that complaining and bitching, cut it out. He's like, I don't care what y'all want to do with your money, but I want my money at the very least so don't blow it for us and and he makes a point because i was i was on twitter and they were doing a thread of if anybody watches the show selling sunset of all these pictures and like stills of you know the cast when they were in the moment they're supposed to be talking on the phone or doing their job and there's evidence that they were talking to no one on the phone or visibly not doing anything like not doing their job so people want they want drama they want something drama filled they want something that brings them you know brings them back so he's freddie's not lying cameras cut back on and um jim rudy and sarah are like you know so what do you want to do and jim's like you know i need the money and rudy the black guy is like no nah, no nah, i'm out of here fuck that it's not worth it bruh net net stop now stop. You are a college cook and you can't use the money. Stop. And Sarah's like, "Yeah, it's not worth it." And they start walking to leave. Y'all are and okay, Sarah might be well off, but boy, you have you have a college job, which means you don't have money to blow because you wouldn't need the job if you had some sort of income. Stop. Then we see Jen finally coming out of a room and her, you know, high stupor. And she sees the little the attic string and she pulls it down and she sees Bill, like, comes flying out and, you know, finds out that he's dead. She starts screaming. The three from downstairs are, you know, like, oh, you're going to have to, you know, try a little harder to fool us. And, you know, she must be really trying hard to get those streams and blah, blah, blah. And then as she's, like, at the top of the stairs, they're looking up at her and she visibly has a blood on her face, which I get. You know, that could be corn syrup or ketchup or whatever. But I mean, it sounded too believable. I mean, and she wasn't even that great of an actress that they shouldn't believe her. Because even if, even if they knew about Freddie being, you know, a fake Michael, she didn't know, and they could have been like, hey, you know, well, they could have said something. But either way, Michael turns up behind her, chops her head off with a a cleaver, or not a not even a meat cleaver. The signature, you know freddie knife at uh, freddie uh michael knife which is that kind of a butcher knife because i thought butcher knife looks like a cleaver which is kind of thick and square but no i think it's a butcher knife but anyways the signature butcher knife or killer michael knife chops off her head her head goes rolling down the stairs and you know that's when they figure out that oh shit there's a real michael too so on the opposite side of the cameras, you know, the college kids are like, or the, you know, the party kids are like, oh, it's got to be digital effects, with blonde. Declan is the only one with some sense. He's like, no, like, this shit is for real. So he starts dialing the cops on the flip side of the cameras, you know, they're trying to get out because they realize, again, that my there's a fake Michael and a real Michael. They're trying to open the door, can't get out, and that is, <laughs> there, it has. You can't put people in harm's way. You can't have a, a house with no exit. Anywhere. Like, anywhere that has, you know, is up to code and shit. And I get that this house is supposed to be old, dilapidated. But you can't... They they, they could sue. This can't be real. So Rudy and Sarah and uh, Jim are trying to find a way out. They're kicking out windows, trying to bust down the planks that are boarding up the windows. And Michael catches up to Jim and, you know he puts his knife into the wall and then he grabs him by the head and you know lifts him by the head in the air and like crushes the skull till blood is coming out of all of his facial orifices and they're just screaming this whole time why not run why not get away like i get the shock value of oh my god someone's dying right in front of me but should not the the fear of you also dying propel you to start moving your fucking legs so they see this, Sarah ducks out, starts running up the steps, Michael, I keep wanting to say Freddy, Michael has a perfect opportunity to kill Broody, he's in the room alone, and Michael was in the doorway, there's no way he could have gotten out, like, perfect, it, again, he does not have impulse control issues, a perfect example. So Freddy, no, no, Sarah's running up the stairs, or trying to, she gets her leg caught in the stairs, and rudy trying to play the sacrificial negro is like you know comes up behind him like hey michael you want a piece of me and you know diverts his attention off sarah and on him like bruh she and after he did that she literally ran her ass to the room and hid like not even trying to help him out and you over here sacrificing your asset for her rudy's finding him off for a little bit or trying to you know he gets he finds some um it, just seasoning. Throw it in. Throws it inside. Does not take the time to run away, mind you. Then he finds some knives and is slashing them, keeping them back. But you know, Michael corners them and stabs them, kills them. And again, the party people are you know cheering. Uh, of course, they're cheering on the black people die. But anyway, they're cheering. And Declan, you know, on the phone with the cops, he's like, you know, another person died. This is not a joke. I know what 911 for. So Sarah's in the room, you know, don't even care that a friend died her. Or- sacrifice himself for her but anyways she's in the room she has her palm pilot back throwback to when palm pilots were a thing and you lifts it up to the camera and says and his name is Deckard I've been calling him Declan well I'm calling him Declan anyways and says um you know Declan this is for real because she knows he's watching and then that's when the rest of the party people are like oh my god that's real blah blah and now they're trying to help they're like oh tell her that he's coming up the stairs blah blah like bro I've been telling you bitches he's real you hear in the background one of the party people is like, "It's not funny anymore, guys. Bitch, it wasn't funny before. These people been dying. Now you just, like what this bitch? I'm very. I, I'm so sick of Sarah. So Declan is telling her he's coming up the stairs. Don't scream. This whole time she wasn't screaming, even when he s- sent, he's coming up the stairs. Don't scream. I mean, when even when he sent, he's coming up the stairs. She wasn't screaming, but as soon as he said don't scream, she screams and covers her mouth and now he's on to her like you deserve to die just for that, Sarah. So she makes it out the window and instead of jumping, it's two feet. Not even no, 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 it's two feet. She'd have been fine. She might break her ankle, maybe honestly she'd have probably sprained it because there are bushes. She could have landed in the bushes and broken her fall for a little but she'd have been fine. She could have limped away. Instead of trying to jump off the roof. And she didn't even have to jump. She could have just like lowered herself down and then, you know, let go. And instead of doing anything logical, she tries to hide on the side of the house beside the window. He busts through the window with his head. And does this man not get concussions? Is he that immune to or impenetrable to like anything that he? Because he he busts through a wooden slash metal door for you know he's busting through a window. Like, come on. You don't gotta use your head. You you got two hands. You got two legs. Kick down the window. Bust down it with, you know, with your hand. He's just using his head for everything, bless him. But yeah, so she's trying to get away. Scramble up, you know, the side of the house. Or not the side, the roof of the house. And he slashes her leg. And she's still getting away, but he can't get through the window because it's kind of too big. He scrambles. She finds a window and ends up going back into the house. Like, that makes sense. So Deckard Deckland tells her, you know, via the Palm Pilot that he's in his old room and to go now. And so she's trying to make her way back through the house instead of going back through the window she just came through where she knows she can escape. He's going through the halls and Busta finds her, you know, covers her mouth and pulls her to the side like, hey, we got to get out of here. Like, no, duh, dipshit. So Busta and Sarah are tiptoeing down the hall, and Michael, of course, shows up around the corner, and Busta, like, rams him, which only knocks him off his feet for, like, less than a second, and then he gets right back up and throws Busta across the house, well, not across the house, but across the fucking room, and again, sacrificial Negro, why not just run? run the opposite direction run in different directions like anything all these black people keep trying to save sarah sarah ain't shit sarah is not shit leave her to die save yourself busta gets up and he's pissed off at this point he's like oh so you you want to be on entertainment you want a piece of me he starts doing these kung fu moves that he saw from the movie earlier and of course he gets one good kick in and then michael's like Eh you thought bitch catches his leg you know almost kills him but then Sarah puts like one of the camera strings around his neck and at least she's doing something like she definitely didn't try to help Rudy but at least she's trying to help Busta. Michael throws her off and he's about to kill her but then again Busta's like hey you know distracts him and you know he's winding up doing his little kung fu moves and Michael like tur- cocks his head like you know how a dog cocks their head to the side like looking like what the fuck kicks him out the window and I guess the camera cord was still around his neck he falls out the window it looks like he strangled and dies but of course we know Michael never dies they're walking out the house, going down the stairs, finally about to make it out. And, you know, Busted telling am like, you know, I found his room and he must have been living here for the last 20 years or something. And, you know, he turns to Sarah and he's like, I swear on my life I didn't know. And if I was her in all my whiteness, I'd be like, I'm suing your black ass. I don't give a fuck if you knew. I don't care if you knew, didn't know. I don't give a fuck. You endangered my life and I'm about to take your black ass for all you're worth so Declan tells them or sends her a message like he's still alive so they look out the window sees that he cut the wire and you know Sarah asks you know where is he and he types back he's in the house and of course they you know look at each other when they see the message and you know look behind and boom there he is Busta gets stabbed twice in the shoulder and you know tells her to run and of course she runs doesn't give a fuck so then there's a montage of her running, you know, all throughout the house, she sees Rudy's body, and she's all shocked, like, bitch, you left him for dead, of course, he would be dead, like, why are you shocked, but anyway, she's running, and it's just so funny, because, like, had they played, which this is years later, but had they played Roman's Revenge, like, that, that little, that little segment from the song, that would have been perfect, so Sarah makes it well she gets to the basement she sees uh donna's dead body near the gate and of course does not try to get through that human filled hole that's right behind her she tries to turn back she sees michael and they show michael through like the camera like her camera that's still on her that view and it's true that the camera really does add 10 pounds because that nigga looks wide like he looks uh, a lot bulkier and wider than he looked you know through the vision of or the point of view of her eyes so she turns back and then she sees um some stairs or not stairs but like the little rung ladders and she makes it up there she has to and the thing it looks like what's it called um a grate and it looks like yeah like I said it looks like a grate and he he gets her he gets her leg cuts it and she kicks him and then she finally like moves the grate and it looked like the grate was easy as fuck to move so why didn't you do the first why didn't you do that first before you even got cut the grate leads to the little shed area where they were ha- where they had the camera set up and you know sarah covers the grate and and it only looks like she puts a desk and a lawnmower like girl he busts he can bust heads through wooden and metal doors you think he's really worried about that he can bust his head through that grate but she's looking around she slips in a whole pile of clearly fake blood and uh looks up and we see tyra's dead body hanging there like damn my girl she didn't even she barely had again like coyote ugly she only had a few lines she danced and now she's dead tyra can't catch a break in these movies so in those like 30 seconds that it takes her to look up find tyra look around michael's made his way to the shed door and she's sarah sees him and you know tries to hide but she has her flashlight on this whole time does he not see this bright ass flashlight and the way that the camera is angled it makes it seem like you know he really can't see the flashlight but you can tell throughout the movie this this flashlight was bright as fuck so all of a sudden now it it's gone dim come on now he's trying to find her he's in the shed he's trying to find her he sees in the camera setup that he's looking at a reflection of his himself, which obviously means that she's, you know, on the opposite side of him. So he knocks the little desk away, and she comes out with the chainsaw, revving it up. And, well, not even revving; it's already started. How did she? How did she start it without the rev? But name it might be a newfangled chainsaw. Who knows? And she's like, this is for Jen and this is for Rudy. And she's cutting them. And then she hits some cable wires and it makes a spark that, of course, starts the fire from the oil that's dripping from the lawnmower. And then it, like, I guess, creates, like, an electric current that shuts off the, the chainsaw. And then she's like, oh, shit. Like, that. see, well, she wasn't with Lori. But that's what I'm saying. You don't talk shit until you're you know that the person is dead do not talk shit don't do a monologue don't start gloating until you know you've won sarah ends up just throwing the chainsaw at him because she can't get it restarted and when she does that somehow it you know causes the flames to become more robust and now everything's set on fire And she's basically about to be engulfed in flames. They both are. And a small explosion goes off and it knocks her off her feet. And you see that this like sound quality mixer thing falls onto her legs and it doesn't even look heavy. Like it literally looks like it's probably the size of not even a small desk. Like it's very small is what I'm trying to tell you. And she's just acting like she can't move which also she did get cut in both legs but as far as a little sound mixer thing girl if you don't push that thing off you and start you know squat I was about to say squatting um little army maneuver crawling like do something so Sarah for like the what third fourth time is about to die and here comes Busta it's always a black person saving her here comes Busta busting through the door, and you know, Michael stops and is looking at him, and he's like, trick or treat, motherfucker. And like, was it <laughs> Busta? Was that necessary? Like, just start kicking ass and let's go. You over here trying to get a, a one liner off. Busta ends up grabbing a shovel off the wall and hits him. The little shovel metal part falls off and he starts, you know, swinging the little wooden stick at this point around and gets two hits on him. But a uh, Freddy, Michael, I keep calling him Freddy. Michael keeps eating these. Like he's literally just eating these punches. He's just like smack, looks back at him, smack, looks back at him again. And then I guess he gets fed up and grabs the stick and then buster's like oh shit no like bro you saying no but (laughs) that don't mean nothing he's literally about to whoop your ass he pushes him when i push him. basically throws him across the shed into the wall he's clearly knocked out a little bit concussed and he's about to stab him buster wakes up in the nick of time grabs like this cable wires is the best word to put it he grabs these cable wires you know rips them out of the thing that they were in so you clearly you know about to shock them puts the cable wires to his nuts and fry fries michael's nuts and michael just you know flies back which if you're electrocuted I don't, i'm pretty sure you just you're electrocuted you, your muscles like tense up you're in the moment but somehow he got electrocuted flew back into the fire and into the pile of blood and you know uh Busta takes this chance to get those same wires and put them to the blood and electrocutes them and start to more fire so so Busta who mind you is supposed to have two severe stab wounds to his shoulder he Throws off the little um, thing, the little sound mixer thing that was on Sarah. And when I say it took him no effort, so it shouldn't have took her any effort. But throws her, I mean, throws the sound mixer and then throws her over his good shoulder. And before, you know, he goes out, he's like, and Michael, happy fucking Halloween. Like, This place is about to burn down. The the roof could cave in on you at any time. Stop with the one-liners and get out. Finally, he runs out, and I'm just saying, you're supposed to have these two deep stab wounds. Ain't no way. Ain't even on your good shoulder. There's no way you're doing all that. Finally, as they're running out, the cops arrive. We see that everything's burnt down. The shed's completely burnt down. They're attending to Busta, and all they give him is a sling. He has two severe stab wounds, and all they give him is a sling. They don't even take him to the hospital. Declan sends her message saying, you're alive on the Palm Pilot. And she's looking around and he sends her another one saying, we can see you on the news. I'm like, Brad, for this point, you're being a little stalkerish. I'm out of the, I'm out of the woods. You you don't got to keep watching me. So Sarah looks at the camera and, you know, she's like, thank you, Deckard. And Deckard, they show the party people and Deckard, you know, like, congratulating people. Like, yeah, you know, like, clearly feeling good about himself. Which, I mean, he should, he did help her. But also, she, she, had she not been so stupid she could have gotten out and lived by herself or no anyways so you know the press is coming up to her and asking her all questions and Busta's like you know be respectful you know michael isn't a soundbite he's a killer he's you know not something to be played with blah, blah blah but it's like bruh and i understand your views have changed since you've gone through this but you are one to talk he was just trying to you were just trying to make a coin off him too so don't come for me well you know the press like come on now so the firemen are dragging the body out in the body bag michael's body and sarah stops him she's like i want to see his face and she, you know the fireman tries to worry you know it's not pretty blah blah, blah and she's like no i want to see it I'm like first of all girl you ain't got no claims to this body you ain't family you ain't friends you ain't nothing like yes he did try to kill you but put your white privilege down you ain't got no claims And the last scene we see, I guess the crime scene, people bring the body into the morgue and the lady, you know, saying like, oh, we got another one. Dang, you know, she's tired. It's nighttime, which I've always wanted to work in a morgue. That was going to be my profession. But anyway, it didn't go into that. So she, you know, they tell her like he's a celebrity. It's Michael Myers. And she's clearly freaked the fuck out. And as she's cutting and working on this other body, she stops and starts, you know, opening the body bag to Michael. Isn't that contamination? Like, girl, you're not even going to change your gloves. You can't just use the same gloves that you had on this dead body for the other dead body. That's disgusting. Even if they are dead. But. You know, she unlocks the body bag unlocks, unzips the body bag and is about to take off his mask and he opens his eyes and then boom, you know, it's cut cutscene the black and that's it. That is the end of Halloween resurrection. He is still alive. You know, these people never die. These legends, Freddie, Michael, Jason, um, Chucky, they're they're always gonna be around. Wait, Freddie, Michael, Jason. Yeah, okay. I thought I repeated the name. Anyways, so okay so getting into our bpr for our black people rating this this week i think i'm gonna have to give halloween resurrection three out of five three out of five afro picks and here's why so i say three out of five picks because even though rudy and tyra did die Busta lived, so that's one pick, you know, going towards them. They do start to lose some picks for the fact that I'm um, the sacrificial negro. Busta uh, tried to sacrifice himself way too many times for Sarah. Rudy did sacrifice himself for Sarah, and Tyra, she was just an unbelievable character. Like, she was too ditzy. I mean, and the fact that she was killed off screen, we don't, we, we can't even properly judge that. So they're losing some picks for that. As far as believability, it, it's a toss up because yes, it's early 2000s. Busta's character is sort of believable as this grimy entertainment guy that just wants you- you know the the scream queen the white scream queen to bring in his viewers so that's sort of believable but the fact that they just keep repeatedly trying to sacrifice themselves for for her it's not believable and the fact that Rudy was about to turn down the money when you know he found out it was all a scam not believable so like I said I'm giving it three out of five afro picks y'all let me know what you think the BPR for Halloween Resurrection should be let me know on my Twitter at Black Horror Pod or on my email at Black Horror Podcast at Yahoo. And let me know what you thought about the film. Did you agree with me? Did you have the same sentiments or thought? Don't be scared to ever send me any questions or even any suggestions on movies you might want to hear about. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you next week for episode number three.